What's up, everyone? You can party if you're a North American fan like it's not 1999, but 2019, the last time that North America made it out of the quarterfinals here at MSI. That was, of course, Team Liquid. Uh, and it was very similar to how this all shook up. Uh, welcome to the jungle, everyone. Digon, Monty, and Dom here to break down the action from this midseason invitational. Uh, if you love this content, make sure to like and subscribe here on the Deserto channel so that we can continue to pump up the numbers here and surpass the Astralis League of Legends channel. We are almost there, y'all. We are 1,000 subscribers away. <laughs> and a ton of people watch this show, so I know the vast majority of you are not subscribed, which is lame of yeah. you. Yeah. That's I'm, super I'm lame. The numbers. We got 70,000 people watching. <laughs> we have 10,000 subscribers. <laughs> what is that? Well, yeah, what the fuck's yeah. going on with that? So yeah, fuck come on. It's literally you. free. It's yeah. literally free. <laughs> and <laughs> unlike so many other things, yeah. I'm, I'm going to just start having purposefully bad takes to piss people off until <laughs> yeah, we have to subscribers. <laughs> yeah, and to punish you all, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, Fung Vu Buffalo first. Yeah, I uh, that's some, the team. I, I had some, like, really fucking bad takes this week. Like, one of them was <laughs> like, G2 was 4-0. I just said, like, that they were being overrated by the community. They actually are still not favorites to win the tournament. Really fucking bad take. After that, G2 <laughs> just won the remainder of their games. Shit on everyone. <laughs> they showed their fucking prowess. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just... Now they're 10-0, and, oh, and uh, they're 10-0, and oh, and they uh, they got to pick EG in the, in the semifinals. I'm pretty sure that's how went yes yep. all right there it is all right subscribe otherwise you'll continue to get crap like that and you can watch other shows yeah we'll just live shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or or we'll do even worse we'll make this hotline league where we'll actually not even give takes we'll have you guys give the takes for us <laughs> work work oh, for our God. content yeah <laughs> Check i love mark mark's great uh, all right, let's dive into it. Yeah, we'll go straight Mark into Europe first. That's not the problem with that show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why the dive is is literally better because then Mark Z is actually just talking about you know what, what he thinks. Um, yeah, I, I think we we have to visit revisit some some facts about the MSI format. So oh yes, the the, yes, it's format day. time. Wait, hold on, real quick, Monty. We had so time. many comments about how many people hated the uh, him and hated the format, and so now you all get to salivate and have Monty just feed you. Go ahead, Monty. All right. So he, he, it depends on how you count this. Like, do you count RNG's rematches? Is going to be the question because yes, technically, yeah. okay, so you do. All right, you do. All right. So yeah, technically, we, we had to watch them. Yes. So technically, there have been sixty nine. Nice. Uh, you know, games played nice. best of ones uh, at this tournament so far, and of those sixty-nine games, if you if you nice. if you count the Royal Re games, there have been thirty-nine major region versus wildcard region matchups so far. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. So if the point, but we have to we have to get to the point here. If the point of this tournament is to provide valuable games, because the you have to remember the vast majority of this format is designed to pit minor regions versus major regions. In fact, that's the entire point of the group stage. And then two of those two of those minor region teams, as long as the major regions team makes it make it through, which the tournament is designed to do. Remember, the tournament is designed so that major region teams go to the rumble stage. Then two of those minor region teams also make it to the rumble stage and then they play some more games. So if this is a valuable format, then surely, you know, we would have seen a level of parity. You know, even even if it was maybe just like maybe 25% of the games are won by minor region teams, 
So in the end, though, the actual stats, if we count Royals regames all against minor region teams, were 39 games, major to minor region. The record for major regions was 36 and three or 33 and three, if you don't count you know, the, the first Royal games and only count the rematches, which is the official record, of course. Um, those three games that were lost, uh, two of them were PSG versus G2, and one of them was Saigon Buffalo versus G2. So G2 actually had all three losses and they all came in the Rumble stage. So what is the point of a format where I have to watch 69 of these games? Nice. Was supposed to, nice. Was supposed to be 66. And then we only get at the very end three best of fives because you designed this format where 80% of the tournament takes place within, you know, these games that have been incredibly one-sided. There isn't any kind of parody. Less than 10% of the games from minor to major region teams have resulted in minor region team wins. 10%, less than 10%. It's horrible. It, it, this is, this tournament is so fucked. It is hard to describe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that everyone's been on the, the, the train of just like talking about the format. But I mean, we knew this going in. Like, this is just how it is every year. Like, MSI is just one of the worst tournaments. That I mean, Worlds is have. also terrible. But this is yeah. so Worlds. The thing about Worlds is it looks good in comparison. Here is the fact. Here's the facts. In terms of format, MSI is the worst tournament in esports. And Worlds is the second worst tournament in esports. By format. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, at least with Worlds, like the, the format sucks, but at least you have better teams playing. So like, you, like even though the format is shit, the fact that there are better teams playing means that it's just more hype overall. I mean, wow, I, I got Dom to be the optimistic guy. I got yeah. Dom to be the optimistic <laughs> guy. <laughs> I mean, realistically, like, so MSI is literally, I mean, you can tell by, by my content, right? Like every other, re like I'm waking up at fucking 4 a.m. for LPL while doing LEC and LCS during the regular season. I do literally all of Worlds. Like if I say I'm going to do a tournament, I don't miss a match. MSI is the only tournament that I cover where I miss like literally like 40% of the tournament. Like I just simply <laughs> won't wake up for it because it's so fucking mind numbing. It's like I, I hated watching group stage group stage is just pissed. Like rumble stage is, is a little bit better. I mean, there was some days that were a little bit hype, but group stage is just disgusting. Like that part has to be removed at least like at least make the group stage between the minor regions and seed the major regions into the fucking rumble stage and then see out of the minor regions, which two teams can actually get to the rumble stage. At least then you'll have closer games. And even if the quality is not super high, at least you'll have closer games. Like that's something that everyone can agree on. But Come on. I mean, why do you want to have the majority of the tournament be best of ones? Why do you want 66 best of ones or 69 best of ones? Why are best of ones even a thing in International League of Legends? The best regions in the world never even play best of ones except at international events. Like they don't even know how to play. Like, do you think that the Korean and Chinese teams know even how to play a best of one? Like they don't. It's not a format that they really ever encounter and most of them only encounter it at worlds right but and then one team gets to go to msi and it's just one team that encounters it it's complete I mean, nonsense just, i mean the way that they just play it out is they're just like uh like we're, we don't really know how this works but we're just going to show up and you know play play our best and we'll probably just win by default you know like they don't they don't strategize for best of ones really they're just like oh what do these guys play well oh we'll just ban that and just play some things that we play well and we'll probably just roll over and and, and win you know so 
I don't know. I, I'm 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 tired of MSI already. Like it's even though there's there's uh the best of uh the the three best of fives left. I mean, with the forms that I'm seeing right now, I think that we're just gonna get what we were talking about the entire time: T1 versus RNG finals. Yep. I think that's gonna be a lot closer than than people expected. I know coming yep. into this tournament, everyone said that RNG was dog shit and T1 was by far the best team that they were gonna win this whole tournament without <laughs> dropping a game or something close to that. Um, pretty much that they were just at a league of their own and no one else could compete. I think that the thing that people need to start knowing about LPL is that like LPL teams have grit. They will actually show up and make you beat them. They're not going to just roll over and die and just accept the the Korean superiority. Um, and and one thing that I've actually liked about this tournament is I've seen a little bit of grit from this EG team. Like this EG team actually fought in in the games that mattered. And you know, like there's a couple times where like sure I, they didn't do anything miraculous. They went zero six to G two, but other NA teams would crumble in that like PSG game, that PSG game to, to yep. go to the next round. So many NA teams would just completely shit the bed there. They would come out scared. At least they're fucking playing the game. So there's, there's um, some, some good, good parts of that. And then G2, like it's really hard to rate them right now because they looked like really fucking good. And then they looked really fucking bad. So who knows, but like, Real, realistically, I mean, are is anyone here going to take G2 over T1 in a best of five? I think G2 could potentially win if they show up. Yeah. But like, if we're going to go percentages, like, they definitely have less than 50% chance to win. Yeah, I mean, I think 25% would probably be relatively optimistic. Um, look, I, I think G2 is a team that absolutely, like, if Caps pops off, it's just one of those things where can Caps carry this team? And if Broken Blade decides to play i think a little bit more meta and like actually include himself in some of these games because he's been for a team like g2 where broken blade prior to the caps resurgence was the lane that they were playing through he's been kind of he was yeah he but now he's just been absent i mean at this event like the vladimir doesn't really do anything um the riven was really ineffective he's been playing like weird pocket and counter picks but they haven't been carrying games and it's not that he's it's not that he's losing the games. It's just he's not winning any games either. It just kind of exists uh, for most of the time. And Caps has really been the the big performer. So I think there is a scenario for G2 where you look at and you say, if Caps is like the peak Caps that we've seen throughout this, you know, throughout the early part of the, the Rumble stage, and then Broken Blade also, they start to play through him maybe just a little bit more. He starts to improve his performance or like get more comfortable in this meta. There's a world where G2 can win this series, I think. It's not completely unreasonable at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, out I of all top laners, uh, Broken Blade has the least amount of kill share and least amount of death share. Very much like, again, just not active. He's, <laughs> so, he's I mean, not he, active. Yeah. Some of it is the champions he's playing, right? So uh, one thing right. is, like, I'm not a fan of BB's Gwen. I just feel like it's never really been his pick. Like, it's really meta at the tournament, but I would much rather see BB, like, counterpick the Gwen or just take the, the like, L side of the matchup and just play, like, Orn or something. Because right now, realistically, we're not seeing the Gwen players at this tournament who should theoretically be really good. Like, Bin was really good at Gwen domestically, but he's been terrible in this tournament. And Zeus has been, like, slightly better but still not really like dominant like people are not carrying out their leads and just winning the game by being such a like strong side later in comparison to the other um player i would like to see bb just take the team fight matchups i think that that when you put g2 versus t1 g2 needs to accept that they are probably going to get shit on early game and just pick things that are going to have advantages and fights later on because no team has really been good enough at 
playing side lanes to win through that unless they play against another team that is also playing side lane comps. Like it feels like, I don't know the fucking stats of it, but just from watching the game and, and watching the, the tournament, it feels like every single time I see a team fight comp versus a team versus uh, another comp that is worse than team fights, the team fight comp wins like every game between every region and every like, like, and, and everyone else. So, I mean, I well, would love to see the, the opposite side where you have, you have a G2 playing the team fight style. And I think that that would be the best way that they could actually take down T1. Well, I mean, it is the way that they did take down T1. I mean, we 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 well, have actually like, evidence, well, right? Well, <laughs> but, but, but even that, I'm not super like. So the reason I didn't like a lot of people like that G2 comp. I like the Diana Yasuo part. I really hate the Kalista in that comp. I think I like I, sure. number one. I'm hating Kalista like period over the course yes. of the tournament. Thank you. I've not seen <laughs> I've not seen anyone actually play Kalista to a point where I'm like, that's the value of it. They, you pick it, you win two v two, you stack dragons. You're still really fucking powerful at the game, like. There was there's teams that I've seen that were good at this. Like Rogue, for example, last year when Callista was meta, they actually knew how to like get the lead, stack dragons. But even they would would, would throw games like often on on Soul or like the Rogue time, the Rogue mid game was the whole meme about that. I I really don't want to see Flocket play Callista. I just feel like he's not like terrible I don't want to see anybody it. play Callista. So <laughs> I mean, look if if Gumiyushi is gonna play Callista, like let him play Callista. Just play the Tristana side of it except that he might be fine in lane, but you're going to outscale it. All the pressure is on the, the Kalista side. I, and when you watch these people play it, like people feel so fucking pressured by Kalista. They just like throw at everything, bro. They throw at every dragon, every Baron. They're yep. just so pressured by having a Kalista on their team that they feel like they need to fucking do something immediately or I think it's going to just uh, be outscaled. I think, I think in the last couple of years, like the, the time to kill is just so high that Callista just doesn't have the time to to throw enough spears and team oh, fights well, yeah. to really provide value before it's, you know even if you don't kill the Callista the problem is somebody is dead by the time you can use rend um so it, it really is i think very difficult at the professional level to play Callista effectively because she just needs too many auto attacks to do fucking anything in a team fight yeah i think well, also, I, that's a great point I think I think people forgot how quickly you were able to stack, like how quickly you were able to do damage. You didn't have to put as many spears into someone to kill them, and now it's now it's not the same. And now we just get as well. I think Kalista could be good, and you know, I think if in the changes on twelve ten, there's a possibility where Kalista gets more time. You know, if team fights are longer, then I could see Kalista being effective again. But it's just team fights like team fights are over by the time Kalista gets enough spears into people. And as Don was also alluding to, there's also the range issue where how do you even stack spears spears on people with the number of dashes in the game right now where people can just fucking get out? Or you're playing these poke compositions where Callista just realistically is never in range. And so, I mean, I think in G2's case, there is a theory of it where it's just, a, you know, further knock. Like, do they, we could ask the question, do they really need more knockups than they already had in that composition? And the answer is probably no. But there is, there is a logic where you could use Callista ult to get a massive knockup. But I, I, think, I, think, I think you that that don't need is... that. I don't think I think that, that that when you run Diana Yasso, like that's it. Like you have Diana Yasso. Right. Like you, I don't think I, that you need other knockups in the comp at all. Past <laughs> I think Diana that's Yasso. the only. My my point is that I think that's the only argument, and I don't really agree with that one either. Uh, I mean, I, for go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I would assume that the argument is that they feel like if they just draft like Orin Top and Diana Yasso, and they have a scaling AD, they think that they have like no early game anywhere on the map, and they're just gonna get run over. I I think that. 
that might have been the logic there, but still, I think that that logic is 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 bad. I think that could be another option as to why you draft the Kalista. But also, it's one of those things where you know the Kalista is just a scrim champion, right? Like anytime you see a champion like Kalista look this dog shit, but it's still so prioritized, you know that these teams scrimmed with Kalista and like Kalista was just stomping lanes. They were just like able to get plates, play through dragon, and it just looked really fucking good. You got to know which types of champions, though, after watching this game for a while, are going to be the scrim champions, right? It's, it's always the assassins. It's always like the early game champions. Those are always the ones sure. that, yep. that end up being scrim champions where you see them on stage. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, Kalista's just well, it, it, I really think like T1 especially got drawn into the Kalista trap, and I think they looked better on the final. I mean, it's hard to tell, though, because obviously RNG was not going to play a serious game because another yes. fun quirk of, of Riot formats is that there are always a bunch of games that don't matter, uh, and that was mm -hmm. a game that didn't matter whatsoever. So I, I, I'm not going to read too much into the, the second T1 RNG game, which is a shame because after, again... 39 minor region versus major region teams of which only three of those matches were upsets. One of the good matches that we could have gotten was a meaningful uh, T1 versus RNG game was something I was looking forward to. But of course, we can't even have that because we're not allowed to have nice things with these formats. So it just doesn't <laughs> matter. And I can't learn anything from that besides the fact that I'm hoping that T1 is is not going to play Callista anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe you, you think about like, because I mean, RNG, they like the TF has just been something that overall has looked bad at this tournament. Like T, TF sure. has just not succeeded. Like, do you think that RNG is actually going to be like playing no. TF, I think like having that priority versus a team like T1 and I, I think they picked uh, TF on the out on the off chance that they could win that game with TF and therefore manipulate the potential drafts uh, in an actual best of five and, yeah. and scare T1. That's why I think they picked TF if I had to guess. I agree with that. I think that that makes the most sense. I mean, a lot of people will will say that, but like there's the regional pride of LPL versus LCK. The regional pride is winning the fucking tournament. Like that is, yes, they don't, guys, they don't actually care about these best of ones. They really yeah. don't. In fact, they would rather save strats and lose games in this stage rather than show their hand and win the best of ones only to reveal too much and get knocked well, down a best of five. Yeah. I mean, especially in that best of one, like that's the best <laughs> yes. of one that literally means nothing. <laughs> yes. like, actually oh, yes. just means nothing. I was about to say, Monty, you're 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 giving all of EU fans a bunch of copia and be like, oh yeah, that that's what G2 is doing, right? Yeah, they didn't need to win any of those best of ones. We definitely had everything under control going into the final day. Uh, for you fans at home, we're talking about AD carry pool. We're talking about mid lane champ pool. Weigh in on the comments below and subscribe to the channel here at Deserto and let us know. What AD carry should be in the meta right now? Because we're we're just seeing a lot of a lot of lot of the Explorer boy until it started getting banned out. Gumiushi played two games of Zaya to close out uh, the day, and then we also got to see Gala on the Zaya. So Zaya popping up a little bit, a little bit of Felio showing up, and then obviously Danny and uh, Vulcan pulling out the good old Samira Nautilus on the game that mattered in PSG Talon. So I wanted to go back just to day number five, where there were very clear, like, uh, uh, I guess, tiebreaker scenarios and, and, and scenarios in general. And Dom, you touched on it earlier. This EG team, who in, in many times before where North America has been in this position to clinch, uh, they picked a aggressive proactive composition that needed to do shit with the nautilus or sorry with the uh, nocturne and with the uh samira with the ari and they did and uh, like what do you 
what do you see in this team from the beginning of this Rumble stage to now? Well, I definitely think that they had some games versus like, so number one, I think G2 is a better team. Let's just, let's just clear that up because people are going to misconstrue my point unless I, what's the record between G2 and EG at this tournament? I'm, I'm not sorry. Saying EG is, is a better, is, is a better team. Best of ones don't I'm matter. Say that EG in the first couple times. G2's they won G2? two, two best of fives against EG, the equivalent. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Sorry, Dom, continue. <laughs> my, my point is that EG looked a lot worse in the first couple games they looked scared the first couple games that they played yeah. against g2 compared to like this this like final game where you know i thought they did some interesting things in draft and you could just tell that even though they lost the game they were like playing it they were winning with their fucking balls like they were actually making sure that they showed up to the game and, and performed and that's how they played against psg as well i mean the psg game it, it's not technically a must win but it could have ended up being a must win or like it could have been a game that eliminated them if PSG ended up beating them and somehow beating RNG and EG lost to, to G2 again. So it was an extremely important game, definitely a game where the players are feeling pressure. So the fact that an NA team actually didn't fucking completely collapse, like I'm completely, I'm, I'm, I'm already pr perfectly happy with their performance, even if they get 3-0'd, which they should get 3-0'd in, in this best of five, right? Like realistically, even yes. if they do get 3-0'd, I think that they have, they have at least competed at the tournament, which is the number one thing I'm looking for. I don't really care about results that much. I think that realistically, when you go into this tournament, the expectation should be T1 winning, RNG second, G2 third, EG fourth. I think if any of the teams do better than that or worse than that, then they have underperformed or overperformed, depending on obviously which direction they go in. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, like EG didn't drop a game to, to PSG. I mean, PSG qualified last year over them um, into MSI bracket stage. They got a game off T1, even though T1 threw it. At least they won that game. And at least they're, they're playing competitive games. Like they're actually having um, games that look winnable to a point. Sure, Vulcan is like randomly getting caught all over the place. And there's a bunch of games that are just lost because, you know, Vulcan just dies at the wrong time. And the team makes the wrong decision around Vulcan dying. It's not like... Our, our support is inting. Okay, give him that. Like, and maybe we give a Baron or something. It's always like, our support is inting. Let's turn that into a 5v5. And then they just lose the whole game right there. Um, but either way, I'm, I'm like pretty satisfied with this uh, performance. I'm not like, I'm not delusional about NA. I'm not expecting them to fucking win anything. I just want to see them compete. And they actually competed. So that's, that, that's satisfying to me. I also, I also think that a key factor here has been that they returned to what made them successful in the first place um, when it came to the playoffs. And there were a few things that I think did very well for them. First off, they did have good drafts to their strengths, um, and they were clever throughout the the NA playoffs. And also, they they followed a you know a format of like give Danny hyper carry, then everyone protect Danny. That worked out for them even when they were losing lanes early on, and you know against a team like T one that has been taking suspect barons catching thrown barons has been an EG specialty in the LCS playoffs, mm -hmm. and that is a weakness that we know from T one. So I think mm -hmm. it makes sense. I would say T1 has no weaknesses, but yeah, you can continue. <laughs> Thank you, YouTube comments. Uh, appreciate you reading them d during the middle of the show. I think, uh, you know, I think that this is this has been a struggle of T1. We saw it in the playoffs of, of LCK. And so for evil geniuses, I think that is a, a matchup that is winnable and indeed did prove winnable here. And it's not really 
I think it's surprising that T1 would play this way, but it's not surprising that EG would win a game with this style of composition back to the Nocturne, back to the Jinx. Uh, you know, tanky mid laner so Jojo Pion can play in the middle of the fight and provide cover for Danny. Like, this is the playbook that, that got them an LCS title. And they can't do it with Rise anymore on Jojo Pion, but they can do it with the Galio. And then coming back to the very next day as, you know, in, in a potentially crucial match against G2, um, you know, they early pick the Galio, which makes it very much appear as though they are trying to prioritize a, a comfort pick for Jojo Pion. And then now... We can argue about how the rest of this draft went, but I do think it was clever. And I do think that EG knew that they had to have some tricks in order to potentially get a win against G2. And they put up more of a fight. I mean, they put up a fight in a few games versus G2, but they put up more of a fight in the early game in this game in particular than they had previously. And I think did seem to vindicate some of their decisions. And they also forced Caps to be uncomfortable on Gwen in the top lane. Now, obviously, the problem of flexing it to the support position is you end up with Ezreal Galio and then G2 final like last picks on red side, the Pike, and they have Kaisa Pike, which is it's a very difficult lane, the Ezreal Galio to play into the Kaisa Pike, which ultimately I think was their undoing here. But they were trying to get advantages on other parts of the map, and they did for a time. Um, I think G2 played it out well when it came to waited, you know, playing a, a methodical pressure game, waiting for them to get the, the right matchups in the lanes in the mid and late well, game, waiting for the right items to come online, having the nocturne in order to win kind of, you know, two V ones in the side lane. So, but I do think that EG, if we look at kind of their last two days of games, they were playing to their strengths and they were, they were being smart at times in the draft and being deceptive and trying to be tricky in order to pull out some wins. Yeah. And I, I think that Essentially, they were just not able to solve one of the the problems in that game, which is uh, there's only one player that has TP in the in the final game versus uh, G2, which is the Kennen. So the the trend, even though the trend loses to the Jacks, the trend can't even hold under turret versus the Jacks because the Jacks has TP and they can force a five v four. So the the problem that they were they were stuck in is that they they needed the Kennen to match the Jacks, but then they don't win the four v four without the Kennen involved. And the other side of it that should be their winning side, which is Trindamir versus Gwen, they didn't push that enough because they're afraid of the Nocturne then going on to the, sure. the Trindamir. So, uh, no, I think G2 knew their win conditions, right? And But I think the G2 identified these aspects of the game and, and played it out quite well. Um, but they did have them off balance, at least in the early starts of the laning phase. Yeah, I would and, say that that the the bot lane should not be as bad as as I ended up looking. I think Ezreal Ezreal Galio. I don't I don't know if it's winning, but I mean Pike in general is not something that should be winning into most tank supports unless you get like certain like level ones and stuff. But generally, when you have like a an, an Ezreal and Galio, they should be able to to push the lane at least. But I think the problem that ended up happening this game was that their jungler um, was not pathing towards them. Uh, and yeah, Yankos was, so they ended up in a situation where they just like had to sacrifice summoners and they just weren't able to actually push in the lane and they made a mistake early where Vulcan lost his flash. So there was like a couple mistakes that they made in the lane, but I think that, I think that their draft was, was overall fine, um, provided that they could actually figure out an answer to this one, three, one. And I think the, the answer that you normally would have, um, is to have Drake's earlier because Baron is a lot harder to force um then a soul like soul dies a lot quicker so if you end up in a situation where you have like three to four drakes around like 25 minutes um you're able to then 
uh, force the enemy team to, to collapse to you and they can't stay in the split with Jackson Gwen. If Jackson Gwen come into the team fight at the same time as Kennen, I think that's a win for, for EG. So, um, I think the problem with that, though, is that they were clearly drafting for their solo lanes to have advantages, right? And to put G2 on the defensive in terms of the solo lane matchups early. So if that's the case, then and you have to be in a situation where the enemy jungler can be very aggressive into your bot lane, it's really hard to stack dragons under those conditions. So I think it's tough. You know, I think that they wanted to play for solo lane advantages, but as you say, like the the early dragon stacking was a, a you know a possible in condition for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you need to necessarily get the first Drake, but like you need to at least be be contesting the other ones. And like when you think about G2's comp, like G2 has a Jax mid, a Nocturne, and and a Pike, Pike Kaisa. Like that four is not really strong at contesting Drakes either. So I think that like you do have the opportunity to stack Drakes if you're able to like make plays. Um, yeah, it, it, like for example, in the bot lane, like Galio taunted to Viego. Like if you like one shot somebody, you could um, do something based off that. Trinomir versus Jax is actually, I, I think that the lane matchups were favorable to EG because Trinomir versus Jax is a lot better mid than it is top because Jax can't chase the Trinomir, um as much. So Trinomir can essentially just abuse the sustain. I mean, I think Trinomir is generally a better mid laner if the matchup is fine um, than a top laner. Uh, right now because of yeah the nerfs to to, to trinomir that we've seen i mean obviously if trinomir gets to play into gwen or something that hard counters it, it's really good but like i think that you can play out your bad matchups a lot better mid than you can top um but yeah i mean i think eg could have potentially won this game even through like the the early fights that they they had um like the rift held fight they it ended up going three for two but i think that could have been a two for oh easily um if they just stop chasing um after they got the kill on yankos and then the the kill the chase down kill on i believe it was jacks um so yeah i definitely think that it was possible to, to to play this this game out better than it was but at the same time it's like i don't know how much these teams are going to actually be drafting like this in uh, a real game because g2's already into the rumble stage um so is so is EG. I mean, even if EG wins, yep. they get a tiebreaker versus T1, I guess, for second seed. But tiebreaker versus T1 for second seed essentially means that you just get to play T1 instead of RNG, which is like <laughs> nice. Cool. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like you get to like, yeah. I guess, drink bleach instead of cyanide. Like, I mean, we'll take it. Like, <laughs> okay. well, I mean, I think EG has a better matchup versus T1 than they do versus RNG. I think the RNG matchup is horrific for for EG. I mean, I, wouldn't you say both teams have a better matchup versus uh, versus T1 than versus RNG based off what you've seen? I'm just saying for EG's purposes in the, in the course of this argument, if I was EG, I would rather play T1 than RNG. Well, sure, because you got to win at least. So you're like, at least you have the confidence. No, it, it's also just stylistically because, you know, at least you can see, as we already saw, uh, there is, you know, a potential win condition. The problem with RNG is like EG is just the worst RNG. They're, they're just the worst version of them. Like if if you're saying, OK, well, we're going to scale and play well around objectives and do late game team fighting like RNG is just better than you at that. And they're better at the early game. So like what? How the fuck do you win this game? How do how the fuck do you win any games in this series? I mean, really hard. It, I mean, when I think about like T1, like like, dude, it like it took two fucking insane Baron throws in one game for EG to win. So then I'm like thinking about what happens if yep. like. Like even after T1 threw one Baron, they were still fine in the game. They still had advantage of the game. So yeah, when I'm looking at the, the look, T1 I can't through, know who EG would rather play. I'm just saying, if I was EG, I would rather play T1 than RNG. Not that they have a chance of winning either of those best of fives, but I'm just saying, I think there is less hope versus RNG because of the way EG plays. 
Yeah, I could see that. I can see that. I think there's no hope either way is my point. I'm just trying to, like, I, think, I think they should feel absolutely hopeless. Like they should feel so hopeless that it becomes an advantage, you know, where it's like, we got nothing to lose boys. Like just go out there and give it their all. Like, this is like, this is like when gamma bears played against like T one in that, in that like, uh, or whoever they fucking played against in, in quarter. 2013. That, yeah. That world championship. Jeez. Who they play? Was it T one? I think it was T one. They should feel like that. Like, dude, we've already, we've already, you know, made our region proud, at, at least like the people that have realistic expectations. We just got to, you know, do our best, try to not play scared and, you know, see if we can take some games. And, you know, maybe if they show up really poorly, we can end up winning a game. That's that's there the it is. Dom always finding a way to sneak in some TSM in there. That was that was Maple back at the <laughs> <laughs> Maple was the mid laner there for your uh, Gamania Bears. I remember that content that they put out for LOL Esports. I just searched it and it's here come the Gamma Bears. I remember that because I was like, that's such a weird title of a YouTube video. It was a weird uh, piece of content. It was a weird team name. It was all that good stuff there. I appreciate you breaking down the uh, what's up. Was that Sword Art as well? uh what? yes that was yes. sword was, art was, was maple on that team as well yeah maple yes. sword art yeah yeah maple sword art uh and steak good old steak uh yep. who's coach, coach also yeah, a very coach. good coach at the moment yep um uh i appreciate you breaking down uh that last game uh just because from how you both described it it, it sounded like the draft just gave a, a smaller window of opportunity for EG to win because G2 knew what their uh, game plan was, knew how they wanted to execute their own game plan. And and it, it felt like, then why why are we playing that draft? And you saying, well, the execution on a bot side with Vulcan, uh, not pushing the tempo in mid lane with the Trindamir, uh, those are all, and then not stacking drakes there at the bottom, like to force better team fights before it got really out of hand. The TP as well. Uh, those are things that I think people don't take into context after they just look at the draft and they're like, "All right, they said draft was bad. It was bad." Well, there were there were still playable uh, areas within that that own draft. Um, I, mean, I, re I respect the fuck out of EG for trying this. I mean, they they look. You're not going to win a straight up fight versus G2. Right. Like, we have five games of evidence of that being <laughs> true. So right. might as well, right? Might as well. I, I think I think that this is a much better option for EG in terms of testing their own limits and trying to force opponents to play into their style rather than matching whatever they think the meta is because it didn't work for them. It didn't work for them. Um, I will say, last night, I guess last night as of this recording, uh, day five was fantastic to feel like what a European fan feels like and know that the European fans probably felt like what North American fans felt like where in our do or die game, North America showed up and qualified in G2's like uncomfortable like game where they're like, okay, like we lose this to this last place, uh, already knocked out Vietnamese team. We're going to be kind of fucked. And they lost it all of a sudden. Wow. Like being in this position, knowing like we already qualified and yes, we don't have to help G2 later on feels great. Like you could hear it in the casting of like Medic and stuff. Medic was frenetic. He was like really stressed out, uh, even though like uh, G2 was probably going to be fine until uh, EG finally got their win. And then it was like, okay, G2 is probably fine there. Um, all right.
So with all that said, we kind of dove into this G2 EG uh, uh, topics as well. well. I want to focus in on T1. So T1 earlier, uh, Gumiyushi not having the greatest tournament, started off well in this Rumble stage with a couple of early first bloods, but then again, being a little off here, owner has just been, uh, it feels like owner has been fantastic. What do you make of this team going into uh, uh, going into now knockouts against G2? And we'll start with you, Monty, as our Korean expert. Um, look, I, I, I've been talking about a lot of the flaws with T1 for the last few months. Uh, when they were doing very well in the latter half of the spring split and into playoffs, they were basically playing iterations of a very similar composition that I have outlined numerous times, which is to say that their playstyle was actually not very different from game to game. And basically, you just couldn't ban out like enough of these champions were available to them at any point in time that it was very difficult to ban out the way they were playing so they could just effectively play one style over and over and over and over again. And yes, these are very good players, but there was always going to be a question of whether they can adapt to a different meta or play a different style of composition. Now, in the in some of the games that they've lost, I don't know why. You know, Dom was critical about this earlier with this kind of split push style. They were attempting to play split push compositions and they were itemizing for split push, such as with, you know, the G2 game where they're playing like Rift Maker on the Kennen. Um, and then you know, it's just itemized against, uh, the Orn because Orn, Orn, right. like, dude, once, once he gets the Rift maker stab, stacked up, the cannon is actually just going to rail the Orn in the sideline and just carry by split. <laughs> obviously not going to happen. Yes. Obviously okay. not going to happen, but that's the only reason to build the Rift maker as far as I can tell. Um, so that, that regardless of whether it would have worked, that was ostensibly the goal of doing that. And then also you have the the whole breaker GP. So this is all to say that they are definitely not itemizing to win team fights. And yet they are not playing to the win condition that they have set themselves out for, which is to split push. And instead they are grouping and playing very badly in team fights and and forcing barons and and losing at these barons. And this is in spite of having massive early game leads. And what's so impressive about T1 is that on average, they've come out at 15 minutes with 3,800 gold above their opponents at this tournament, and they've done it with a variety of different compositions. So they actually do have a really excellent fundamental understanding of how to play out these early games with many different matchups, uh, many different champions, many different compositions, but they have almost been playing themselves by trying to, you know, if you, my, my question is this, if you can play out these early games very well with scaling compositions, which we know they can, why are you so obsessed with running Twisted Fate, with running Callista, with running Zeus on these split push builds? Uh, just don't fucking do it. Just play play a, a composition that you're going to be able to team fight with in the mid and late game and do it that way. Um, so I think on the last day, we did see them flip the switch a little bit and kind of, last couple days, I should say, return to... Okay, let's have, you know, if we can get the Ari, let's put Faker on that because one of the hallmarks of their play has been long range skirmishing or high mobility team fights, which is what has been happening. Like when I talk about T1 style, what they would do is they'd have a poke champ and then they would have some level of long range engage, whether it was an Ari or a Vex or these or Kaisa back, uh, you know, when uh, Faker was playing her mid and building AP. 
and they would get the long range pick and then turn that into an objective, right? And they just haven't been necessarily playing that way this tournament. And they weren't playing a lot of 5v5s. Like if we're being honest in, in LCK, they weren't 5v5 team fighting. They were either poking the shit out of somebody with Jace and it wasn't a true 5v5 because someone was not in the fight anymore on the other team, or they were getting a pick and then transitioning that into an objective. And I think for me, that's been the missing part of their gameplay. And then couple that with Gumiyushi, who just really didn't look comfortable on this pool of AD carries um, that is proven to be very powerful. Um, at, you know, as a reminder, when T1 was playing Kaisa, it was Faker playing it for the most part. It wasn't, it wasn't Gumiyushi. You know, Gumiyushi was playing a lot of Jinx, um, you know, these kind of reset champions. Uh, Zaya, which he returned to uh, later on. It's not like he was playing a lot of Ezreal. It's, it's not like he was playing Kalista. You know, these these champions are, are you know, haven't been in his wheelhouse recently. So I think T1 hopefully has fixed some of the issues that they had. It certainly looks to me the way they changed their drafts that they have returned to something that will be that they will be better at. Um, and I really just don't want to see any more TF or Callista from them. That That is my prayer. Yeah, well, I want G2 to win, so I hope that they keep on doing everything that they've been doing. I, I want to see just them <laughs> lose in semifinals after the people wanted to declare them the, the winners of the world champion. This, te Look, this, this team Tom, is going to be Tom, world championship I, team in March. Motherfuckers, for my March. Hello? For my own personal enjoyment of having to watch Joe Marsh retreat all of his ridiculous statements that he's made over the past few months. I hope you're right. I would love to see T1 lose to, wa to watch Joe Marsh burn, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, yeah. I, again, if you want to know the crazed craziness of fan base, look at Dom's uh, retweet earlier of Munchables saying, uh, this T1 team is overhyped. The comment section, Dom, that was, that were, was a good 10 minute read. overhyped. We've, we we've talked, been trying to, we we've been trying to pour on water show. on that fire for a while. Like we've been, everybody's been saying this team is overhyped. They do make mistakes, guys. They do. They, yes. They're not foolproof. I mean, look, they like, who even knows if they would have went undefeated if they played against full strength rosters permanently with like Excuse out all these me, COVID Tom? Situations? Are you are you saying that the second place team that they played twice both times without the full roster Gen G that the, the results could have been different? I don't know about that. I don't yeah, know I don't know. Or, or maybe they could have just <laughs> lost a game to like a team like Dom one. Like it's not like they had these games where they were just stomping everyone the whole time. It's just for some reason because they kept on like getting a a a, a, a win in the column every single time people were like, yeah, but they just, they just drop a game. There was just like all these excuses for, you know, bad play where it's like, I don't understand why it's why every team that's winning your region has to be like the best team in the fucking world. Like, I mean, T1 didn't play well in the finals. They did not play well in the finals. Yeah. But then it was like, Oh, then the players had COVID for that. So then you can't even count. Like, I don't know. All I'm saying is when I'm watching these games, like I don't think that T1 is playing that much differently in terms of like, like, sure, they're, they're drafting different champions, but in terms of, like, their overall gameplay, I don't think that they're playing that much differently than they played domestically. They still are having pretty good early games, and they're still having, like, very questionable things happen in the mid-game. You see Gumayushi still loses summoners on mid when he's holding, which is, like, a core thing of that that G2, that uh, that um, T1 would have happen. We saw it in the... Oh, no, it wasn't the G2 game. Forget, I think maybe it was the... Um, it was the Saigon Buffalo game, actually, where he's just holding mid, and, you know, he just walks up, loses both summoners and his ult on Zion, and then suddenly, like, the whole game just kind of collapses and and 
you know, they end up winning the fight, but it's like it puts it you in a disadvantage situation versus good teams. You're going to get punished there. So, look, I think that this and, is and, and by the way, the this is not needed. a new problem. The way that this was solved earlier this year was that Korea would play Thresh and he would stand in mid with Gumiyushi with, with his lantern like ready because he knew Gumiyushi was going to walk up in that mid lane and try and attack that tier one turret. And so he would save him with like Tom Kench or or with Thresh. Now, now they're not playing those champions anymore. You see some of the faults in Gumiyushi's play because Gumiyushi has not changed his play style, but those tools to have him escape do not exist anymore. Yeah, I mean, he was better in lane domestically for sure. He was just better at lane. Like he's not he wasn't dying in lane every single game domestically. Um, I think that that it's just the T1 style was mainly that they were like they were they were good at lane they were good at these like early Rift Herald swaps which they've been like questionable at the Rift Herald swaps um, throughout this tournament which has been a, a little bit weird to me I would expect them to just be by far the cleanest I mean look RNG when we were watching RNG versus TS RNG could not win a Rift Herald no matter what the fuck happened they could be somehow 5v1 on Rift Herald whoever they're fucking playing against is going to just 1v5 pen to them and get the Rift they could not win a Rift fight to save their entire <laughs> fucking lives and then somehow, like, they're behind in the game versus T1 and they're winning a Rift fight versus T1. They get, like, a three for zero on Rift. What the hell? Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know what to, to, to make out of um, these situations. I will say that, like, I think RNG's early game has been a lot better than it was domestically. Sure. Um, but... It, it's 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 hard to say. I mean, I thought to be, to be fair, they're also not playing against tops in say an early yeah. game, right? So uh, they did look bad in comparison to a very good early game team. Sure, but I would I would have expect like when I was watching T1, I thought the T1 was a was a better early game team than top. Watching them, it's like especially around Rift Herald, I thought that um, that they were just really good at that um, in comparison. So, I mean, I. I Coming into this tournament, I definitely had T1 first. I was T1 first, RNG second, G2 third, EG fourth, right? I, I mean, I still, I think, I, I still, I, despite the fact that maybe there have been a few more flaws in T1's early game, like, I, if just straight up, they're still controlling over 80% of the Rift Heralds in, in their game so far. In, they played 16 games. They literally have gotten the first three turrets in every single game they have played. They are 16 and 0 when it comes to knocking down the first three turrets. They have they are 15 and 1 in getting the first turret of the game. So they're still doing incredibly well. Yeah. I mean, I still think that they they can win the tournament. I just I thought that they would stomp harder personally from watching them play. I thought that they they were better than RNG. I mean, RNG looked pretty fucking sus for like the, majo the majority of LPL. <laughs> like <they were. laughs> the way that RNG was winning games, like go watch like RNG versus TS, either of the times they played them. Watch the best of five. Like it's like, all right, so you're down like 10K gold, and then I guess Gala's like carrying a team fight. Oh, I guess you won the game. Like it mainly yeah. looked like TS was collapsing rather than RNG yes, was like I, I a godlike team. I will say Just, though at this tournament from watching it though, I think that it's gonna be close. I, th I mean I think that RNG and T1 should end up in the finals. Yep. I I don't know, man. I th I think RNG could win this. I, I really feel like they're. Oh, I th I think RNG can, I mean, can can absolutely win this tournament. I don't think they will. I think I still tip it like sixty forty probably to T one because I think that they have. I think they have a more balanced roster, and I think they have more carry threats. And like, I'm incredibly concerned about the Zayas and Bin matchup in terms of Bin's performance. Uh, I think I mean, top side of the map is is generally stronger. And I think Zayas has been having an amazing tournament so far. I think he has been a huge, huge damage and carry threat on T1. 
So for me, it really comes down to whether Gala is just going to pop the fuck off for RNG, which is absolutely possible. But I also don't know. I think T1 has been experimenting. I think in the first game that they played against RNG, they tried very deliberately to pinch the jungle pool and force way onto Vala Bear. And they still should have won that game, argu arguably. They did throw like, that game. Fuck, they actually lost to Way's Vala Bear. Like, how do you lose to Way's <laughs> Vala Bear? Like, so the, so the second game, they 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 more aggressively pinched um the 80 carry pool and Who tried to get the, the the Kaisa. Sure. I'm just saying their tactics switched in the draft. Um and I do wonder what if Gala is going to be as good if he's not on Ezreal and Kaisa and T1 has these luxury bands if RNG's on the red side. I don't think you're losing the series by by Gala's hand. Like, I don't think that you're going to pinch Gala and get him out of the series. I mean, his his affiliates was what he was playing domestically. Like, I mean, sure. how many affiliates games did he did he play? Let me check. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't been as impressed with, with Zeus, um, mainly just because like, there's been so many games where I've, I felt like he should carry harder than he, than he has been. Um, like the Kennan game. He's been carrying that, pretty hard, <laughs> but like, not like, so, I mean, he's been carrying hard in terms of what, like, if you look at stats, he's been carrying hard. If you're actually watching the games, like he's, he's having games where he should just be able to take, like run away with it. Like the Kennan game, for example, I think that. Like the Kennen game versus G2, it's like he's the reason why it's hard to play Diane Yasso. But then because he's going Riftmaker Cosmic Drive, which is like, I don't even yeah. understand the Cosmic don't Drive at all. Don't get me started. I mean, we already, we already talked about that. The first game versus Bin where he's playing Gwen into Camille, which is a good matchup, and he gets like the solo kill where Bin just pretty much ints, and he's 2-0 early on in that game. I feel like the Gwen should not be like 2-6 and six at a point. I, look... I, th I think he has sabotaged himself through the builds, but it was very clear that T1 wanted to play in this like one, three, one style in some of these games, which I just fundamentally disagree with as like a team decision. So I think his, his itemization in some of these games has been extremely suspect, which has prevented him from doing the carrying that you want to see. However, there were also some very good exhausts on him during the, during the G2 game. And I think that G2 executed that comp relatively well. So I do think some of the credit deserves, you know, deserves to go to G2 for how they played. I just don't think we're going to see T1 try that bullshit again. I hope we don't. Sure. No, I definitely think that, that, that G2, like, deserves credit for being able to break, to come back into the game. But, I mean, at least the way that I see League is if you have that big of an advantage that T1 has, like, comp first comp, and you play the game out, well, I don't think the enemy team can come back. Like, they're essentially playing a 4v5. The Callista is completely fucking useless. The Diana Yasso is the main thing they have to worry about. And even with, through the exhaust, like, you know, it's really good against exhaust having a Zanya's because even if you do get exhausted, <laughs> then you press your Zanya. Dude, that riff thing, I was up. just so confused. I was just sitting there being like, I don't understand how this is. Because the, the problem with the Riftmaker is like by the time the Riftmaker is fully operational, you're just going to be exhausted anyway. So like what when is it going to do? At what point in time is it going to do enough damage, like sustained damage in a fight in order for this to be useful? It's, it's fucking weird, weird. It's item. really fucking weird. It's it's really fucking weird. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we'll, we'll have to. We'll have to so see I, how, I, how anyway, I agree with you about that game, but also like who knows why he built that way but he didn't do it again so yeah true i mean he didn't play kennan again though really and like the other champions that he's he's playing don't really have that 
they don't have the well i mean to be honest he's been inting his builds like the entire tournament right like the gp going hole breaker is <laughs> also equally fucking bad <laughs> so like for me the more i think about it it's like no he doesn't get a pass this guy is just building fucking random items like he's literally just fucking getting scammed by boris every single time <laughs> no he's getting scammed by boris twice in 16 games no he did the the gp thing twice just then oh He's done, he's done the GP thing twice. <laughs> all right, all right. I agree. It's, it's too much. It's too much. But I, I also just don't think we're going to see these split push builds again. I think that this is this is something that they were probably having success with in scrims that isn't translating to how they play on stage. I would be shocked if we saw him do this again. But maybe he will. What do you think? What? How do you think G2 is going to come back? I, we haven't really talked about like the G2's... Uh... Yeah. Their, their tournament because it's been very... I mean, it was like they were like the best team... In the tournament, and then they were the worst team in the tournament, and then they were like, they beat NA in the final game. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that, that is something that's probably it, worth talking about. It, yeah, it, it it it's making God or Dog uh, interesting. <laughs> At the beginning, it was like, oh shit, pick, take, take your pick. <laughs> and now, and now it's Dog. It's like, oh, take your pick. Uh, yeah, let's look into G two in there. Uh, historic unbeaten streak coming to an end, and then also an unprecedented like losing streak after a winning streak like that. Maybe it's not unprecedented, but I, on the international stage, they just straight up lost form here, Monty. I think they were ride or dying by Caps having these fucking absolutely insane games and insane individual performances. And when that stopped happening, I think you see a lot of, I think you see a lack of, of carry threat uh, on this team. Uh, cause broken, I don't know what's going on with like broken blade and like the Vladimir counter pick into Gwen, but it just doesn't seem to do anything. Like it's, it just exists on the map. And he, I, I talked about this earlier on the show, but he just doesn't seem to be a major threat or presence in many of these games. And it, when he should have the burden to carry, such as when he's playing Riven and you draft a Yumi, which basically means that you are really hoping that that Riven has a massive effect at some point in the game. He gets completely neutralized. He can never engage because I don't even know why he's running TP in this game instead of flashing Knight. Um, and I think also they intelligently picked Exhaust to deal with it. But... I think you actually just have to be all in on that decision. And if you make that choice, then there's an expectation that Broken Blade shows up and, and is carrying these matches. And that just hasn't been the case. Like he hasn't he's had a very mediocre tournament and you can't if you want to win MSI, you can't have one guy having great games half the time and that's it. That's not a formula for a championship. Yeah, I mean, I think that that a lot of the the picks don't suit him well. So I, I think that one of the issues that they're running into is that he's not that great of a Gwen player. I think like all time he's got like one win in six losses or like one win in five losses. It's like he's just not had success in the champion historically. Um, and then I think a lot of teams have they've just been like banning the Orn, you know, like they're they're just not letting him play play Orn. So either they're going to have to start early picking the Orn because I think it's getting banned in second phase. Some teams are actually banning it first phase too. Um, or they need to find other champions that are going to actually suit the the team fight style that, that G2 has, because this is not the same G2 as the regular season um, within LEC, where, you know, G2's whole win condition was top lane, right? Like they were playing Akshan and and uh, 
and they were playing Trindamir all the time, and they were essentially just getting counterpicked for BB. They're playing Yone top, Yone top as well, getting counterpicked for BB, and just like trying to have everything else on the map go stable. And then he would just win the lane with counterpick. I feel like <coughs> right now the counterpicks are not as severe to the champions that we're seeing. And then also, I think part of it is that um, not only are the counterpicks not as severe, uh, the champions that are supposed to be the counter side. So right now, like there's a lot of Gwen GP. They're not like BB's best champions either. So he has, he normally the thing that BB has is he has like one pick that no one else is playing except for him or that not many people are playing that he can really use to, to abuse the meta. And it's normally like a counter to one of the, the main things that's being played. But right now, um, it doesn't seem like he has like a Gwen answer, right? Like his Gwen answers are Vladimir, which is whatever. I mean, pretty much everyone's playing Gwen against him, right? So he's playing Vladimir versus Gwen, which I mean, I get it. It's supposed to be that Vlad is better in team fights and Vlad has pretty good lane. And if you get Vlad a free lane, it's, it's good. But I mean, a lot of I times, mean, the, the Vlad was never in these team fights. I think that's one of the main issues is that he's just never well, yeah. there. Like, I mean, that's you, have, just... <laughs> you, have a, you have Ghost Ignite, right? So like, you're, yeah. you're not going to be able to TP. You're going to actually have to like, figure out what your team fighting. I think. Like every, every game, if you watch the Vlad, it's like G2's fighting and then just the Broken Blade just shows up at the end with Vlad and like cues once and then he just runs around in a circle. Like the, the, the game, the fights are over by the time he shows up. Yeah, but I think that that's more on his team, like not really knowing sure. when they're fighting. So, sure. um, so there's that. But my point is like, when you think about Gwen, right? Like people are picking Gwen every game. It seems like he's not a good Gwen. So you're going to be playing against Gwen every game. He's tried uh, GP into it. It was like, okay. Um, or maybe, maybe his GP game was actually into rubble, but like the point is he, he's, he played, uh, GP, he's played Vlad, he's played Riven. Like none of these picks seem to be actually taking over <laughs> the game when he, when they gave Orn and he played Aatrox into it, didn't look good either. Aatrox, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like, like he just hasn't had the, the counter picks of this tournament. So I'd which like is, to see him, which is interesting because Aatrox is actually his most played champ of all time. Yeah. And it's supposed well, to counter the Orn, but right. And it's supposed to be an Orn counter. It, it, do mean, you they, think they that's G2 it. hiding it? Just because the, the, there's no NAR. NAR has kind of disappeared, and that was something he's played a lot. We saw Jax earlier in the tournament, and that kind of like started falling off here. Maybe it's just something that they're sitting on, and you, maybe there was a sense of like, we've won so many games, and we're we're one away from like uh, getting into uh, the playoff stage. Let's Let's start experimenting a little bit with these drafts. Let's start experimenting as we're going to see uh, these types of matchups. Uh, there's definitely some experimentation. I don't think that if they're playing a do or die game, BB's going to pick Riven into Gwen there. I think that that's something that they probably practiced a couple times and they saw an opportunity for it. So they tried it um, and they didn't actually need to win that game. Uh, but like that being said, that when they went to, to their like trying things phase, like I don't think they actually gained anything from it. I think they just lost confidence uh, just in general <laughs> and their their picks didn't end up working out. There was nothing that I saw that I, that, that I was like, damn, let's actually run back to Callista. Let's run back to Riven. Yep. Let, let's keep these Vlad games going. I don't know. Let's use the Anivia. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not the even. Anivia, I think it's fine in certain situations, but yeah, I, mean, I thought it was good when I played like, against EG. Yeah, it's a riot. It's good into rise. It's good into like these short range mages. I mean, it theoretically should be good into Galio, but the problem is that Galio can actually engage on you. Um, with, I mean, yeah, in a, in a lot of circumstances. So it just becomes like a little bit more risky because you can get killed, which happened in this game. I don't know what to make of G2 though, because like a lot yeah. of, like, I know a lot of people were, were really hyped and they were like, they're the, the best team in the world or like something because they beat RNG and T1 the first day. But I think it's really hard for me 
to see them winning more than one game versus T1. I, I, look, I, I think a lot of their wins have come off the fact that Caps is the highest peaking player at this tournament. Is which can get you wins. Hmm? Is that is he the highest peaking player at this tournament? I think he's had the highest peaks. I don't think he's been the most consistent. I think he's also not been really around in some of these games, but I think on an individual level, he's had some very impressive games. Yeah, I think he's had some impressive games. I guess for me, my like highest peaking player would be Gala. I think Gala looks like the best That's player in the, the, the tournament. But still, yeah, no, I definitely agree that Caps is, is a really insane player. I just, I think it's really hard to just carry like a team if the team is not being coordinated. And I just don't see how they're going to like, how Caps can be in a situation to carry like three out of five games or a T1. Look, I'm not arguing they're going to win. I think they have a very small chance of winning. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, I'm saying that the reason why they have won games, I think, is because of Caps's peak performances and that there has to be a different solution in a best of five, unless you're going to say we're going to get insane Caps for five games straight, right? And it's been, I think it's been disappointing because Broken Blade is a player who helped get them here and seems just really non-existent in these matches. Like he's, he's definitely not losing them games, but if you have weird picks, then you have to make them work and they have to actually provide threat to the enemy team, which he has failed to do for the most part. Look, I want to see, this is what I want to see. I want to see no graves out of Yankos. Like I want to just see him on things that can gank like sure. period. I, I, I want to see caps playing whatever the fuck he wants. BB on team fighters, <laughs> And I want to see Flocket off Kalista on Ezreal, Kaisa, whatever. Zaya, I want to see Zaya come back. And I want to see Targumas on champions that have big abilities to affect team fights. I think that's the way that they have to win. They have to out team fight T1. And they have to set themselves up for it. So yeah, I I, I don't I mean that was be- that was the way that they they beat them in the first game, right? That was opting into massive, massive engages and massive team fights. Uh Leona Nautilus Rakan. I'm assuming just somewhere in there. Yeah, like, Nautilus, I mean, Rakan, Renata, I think is fine for I think he was really good at Renata. I think Targumus Renata, if you if the enemy team's blind picking engaged champions or the enemy team has a lot of engage on their team, boom. Slam a Renata, make them run into the ult and kill kill each other. Like that's fine for me. Uh I just, yeah, I'm just not a fan of uh a lot of their like I mean, look, they have they have weaknesses. Even though Gumayushi and Karia have been straight up bad in lane. I don't know how much you can bank on Gumiushi Karia being bad in lane. Like I don't think that <laughs> Flocket and and Targumas should be drafting as if they 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 are going. They're to the win dominant lane or duo. They need yeah. to win lane like that. I don't think that that can be a win condition. I think you have to like cover your your weaknesses. Generally, like they're not super good in in the laning phase bot lane. Um, yeah, I mean like mid like jungle. You you need something that has the ability to gank, and then BB needs champions that he's comfortable on which is not Gwen. But before we get to, I guess, predictions and stuff, I did want to put a closing chapter here on uh, PSG Talon and uh, Saigon Buffalo. Uh, Dom, you were calling out this Saigon Buffalo probably deserved better than uh, what they got in a couple of games. You know, they've played really well and didn't get the results. What do you make of this Vietnamese squad? That was the number two squad while their number one team went on to go win the C games over my uh, Philippine squad. Yeah, I mean, I liked watching the Buffalo play. I, I think that they had some, like, like being Jay in the first couple days was just awful, but he played a lot better in the final ones. Um, yeah. I like their game versus RNG. I think that they played one of the best games of the tournament versus RNG. 
um, so far. Like, they had really nice engages in this game, good kicks, like, good flash charms with Ari. And I felt like they're one of the only teams to, like, stand up and just go and fight RNG. It feels like a lot of teams have let RNG get away with a lot of bullshit early game. And it's like, dude, RNG, they they have a scuffed-ass early game most of the time. Like, they are making mistakes. Like, don't be afraid of RNG early game. Be afraid of what they do in the mid to late game if they're, like, you know, close in gold. But don't give them that much respect early game. I like to see that that um, Saigon Buffalo actually played well in, in those games. And then also, I mean, they went out with what? They, they got three wins. They Technically, they were they were tied with PSG, right? Like, 3-7, I think. They were both 3-7. Um didn't Buffalo so Buffalo? No, won. they were they were two oh, eight because they split eight. with PSG Talon and then they beat G two. So oh yeah, they lost. But yeah, PSG they, Talon they lost. won t- both games against G two. So yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. But e- I mean, either way, the point is that they like act like that RNG almost felt like a win. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, true. They they, I mean, the RNG game. game was very close, and like I, I think it. What was encouraging about the the later the later edition of Saigon Buffalo is that they seem to really like understand the win conditions of their composition. And the game against G2 was an extremely smooth snowball where they were very deliberately giving B&J the kills on the, on the jungle Gwen, you know, they did fake out, you know, they knew they correctly predicted like broken blade is going to play Vladimir into this Gwen if we show it. And then we're going to like try and get the Aatrox into the Vladimir and try out this jungle Gwen and see if we can get some support for jungle Gwen to get the kills early, get the, get the rift maker online as fast as possible. And they played a very like smooth game uh, of league of legends. And I think that in many ways, they were more impressive in the mid and late game in terms of capitalizing on their advantages than than like T1 was in the early parts of this tournament. So I think there was a level of strategy here to the way they played out their compositions that made me a lot happier than watching them in the in the first, you know, in the first part of the rumble stage. I don't know if they were nervous and ended up getting over that, but I think that they were unfortunately not as competitive as I would was led to believe given their performance in the group stage. And that was, I'm glad we finally got there. I'm glad we finally got there. Uh, how do we feel about Talon? Talon's performance, obviously new look Talon as they made their changes again, back to back, uh, PCS championships, but, uh, new players specifically in the mid lane, you know, uh, Maple having being, uh, pilfered, um, into the LPL as well as into uh, now over at TSM. It's really hard to say because I feel like they had a bunch of the games where they kind of were getting stomped, but then they had those two pretty good games against G2 where they like mm-hmm. looked good against just G2. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what to, to, to think about uh, PSG talent as a team. They seem... I mean, I think they just kind of like out G2, G2. They were like, we're going to be the ones that play the, the team fight stuff and then we're just going to win based off of it so i actually thought that the buffalo had more inspiring performances than psg i, I you know i think the results surprised me because i expected like psg to be at the bottom and saigon buffalo to be like in the fifth or potentially fourth spot so i i think saigon buffalo is actually the better team if we look at the highs of their performance uh but psg i think had better consistency so all right, there you have it. Uh, the team's still learning and growing. And then again, it, it is kind of cool that uh, PSG Talent is owned and sponsored by uh, Paris Saint-Germain. That is, their their jerseys were sick. The the little little pink fade, I like that. All right. Uh, 
<laughs> That's what I say about that. Death to soccer. Right. Anyway, Death continue. To soccer. Um, all right. Now's a good time to bring in a couple of comments because we always try to read the comments that you guys put below. We got two of them for EG, which will set us up for our EG, EG RNG matchup. Uh, Josh Albinet said, uh, Jojo is the opposite of Stalin, to be fair. He's feeding the EU people, not starving them. And then the okay. one lone guy. Oh, let's let's yeah. unpack that a little bit. So yeah. the opposite of Stalin. So who is this about? A Jojo? Okay, so the opposite Jojo. of Stalin, the communist dictator, would be a fascist dictator. So the opposite of Stalin is Hitler. So you are saying Jojo is literally Hitler. All right. <laughs> I just want to well, be I want to be clear about what you're saying. I, I, I think that they were just going in, not on, on po politics as much as just like starving versus feeding. <laughs> like <laughs> Great, great job, Josh. You you did it. Uh, you showed. You called JoJo Hitler. That's very rude of you. Yeah, great, great job. The other one is our boy Tommy, who said he had a really long comment, so I'm just gonna kind of paraphrase it. But he was basically one of the few commenters in our last video that was hopping up on this bad boy, the copium. People are really underestimating EG, lol. The G2 games in their group really didn't matter, and all they had to do was get in the Rumble stage was, was to beat Osh and use this time to try other shit. EG's tryhard games against Osh were way cleaner than G2, so I'm not going to act like EG's going to lose to PSG or Buffalo's lol. They, at the very least, get fourth, and I can see a world where they play comfort and take a game or two off G2 or RNG. It goes on, but it was pretty good, and he, he called it. Uh, I always like to shout out the people that call their shots early on. So uh, good for you, Tommy. Um, <laughs> to be fair, he he was right. EG did not lose to PSG Talon or Saigon Buffalo. He was right. He was very he was right. right. <laughs> uh, Wait, did we say anything opposite of that? Like, I don't understand. Like, no. Uh, what we said was that EG was the most likely team to make it out, but that it would only take like there was always going in, in these best of ones that are over a very short time period, there's always going to be upsets. And it just depends on who does the upsets that matters. And it, as it turns out, Evil Geniuses winning a game against T1 was incredibly impactful in the way that this group shook out. All right, I got to yep. finish this comment then. Uh, let me let me finish this comment. RNG looks worse than G2 and has a terrible early game for an LPL team historically. This is probably the weakest LPL has looked in four years or so. So yeah, I think EG was not at their full strength for obvious reasons in the group stage. There's no benefit from getting first in the group seating, so it doesn't matter. Let's see how EG oh, plays on Friday before we so panic. What's interesting about this comment is that I think he's also right about RNG. So he possesses the ability to accurately analyze things that don't have to do with EG, which is which is very interesting. Maybe he should apply some of this to actually looking at EG's gameplay. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the, the thing that, that's kind of funny about the, this whole situation is that like, yeah, no, I mean, I could I can get with that. That's probably that's probably the, the weakest that LPL has looked within four years. And they're still like number one in the group stage. Like they still look <laughs> literally like, yeah, I mean, that that's how fucking dominant LPL has been. So maybe next time uh, a team looks really good out of Korea, we don't automatically crown them the champion of the world championship, which is not even happening for another six months. <laughs> and we actually let LPL teams compete. <laughs> how about that? Like I'm down to watch LPL compete. I, I thought T1 was, was slightly better than RNG, but I said slightly, not <laughs> not don't even don't even have the matches played fuck it bro rng is just they're just dog shit compared to t1 they're just gonna get absolutely stomped like come on like lpl teams fight lpl teams are pretty fucking good Why yeah does also really want to discredit them 
Also, you know, this this would be like saying that, uh, you know, when Cortez showed up in Mexico and got the entire Aztec Empire sick with Western diseases and then beat them, that the diseases were not a factor in the complete dominance that Cortez exerted. Uh, but in fact, like part of T1's run was the fact that their main opponents were weakened by disease. Okay. <laughs> they themselves like, were weakened by disease. With this <laughs> no, it's, 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 a, it's an accurate analogy about the Aztec Empire and Cortez, uh, you know, as, as applied to LCK with T1 versus their opponents. But there were flaws. There continued to be pretty obvious flaws with T1. And also, their domestic competition was kind of garbage, guys. Like, I'm I'm just hoping that Nogari makes Dom Juan a contender because T1 was not super challenged. Um, we're not. So, and it's not like Gen G was a world beater. Whereas if you compare that to some of the games that we saw from teams like V5 and Top Esports and the LPL playoffs, oh. it was a much more competitive, it was a much more competitive playoff bracket. So, We'll just hope that, and obviously we're not going to crown T1 because they stomped their region domestically. Like that doesn't mean anything if their competition is not great. So we just have to, we have to wait and see if, if LCK is going to actually have, you know, three or four teams that are going to be competitive on a world level because we know LPL is going to have that. Cries and rookie. Cries and rookie. Man. <laughs> We're just never going to get to see a Baker rookie matchup. This was the best chance we had. Uh, all right. Shout, um, shout, out, shout out to Riot where we can have two guys who have been the best two mid laners of all time. And Riot has created formats where we just never, ever, ever, ever get to see them play. Even though they've both been playing for like 10 years at this point in time, we just don't get to see it. That's cool. Good job, Riot. Nice. Nice. Nice job. Yeah, I think the only time Rookie interacted with Faker is when he was uh, pulling out the group stage like draw uh, in 2017 because that was the special guest that Riot flew out. It was Rookie. I remember that because I was there. <laughs> uh, all right. So with all that said, EG RNG. RNG, they don't look that good compared to the last four years of LPL teams. How quickly do they run through them? Is it in three games or, yeah. or is it in four games? There, there is no hope for EG in this matchup. Like I said earlier, this matchup is just, it's not good for EG. The, the Stylistically, it is very, very bad because RNG is just better than them at everything that they are good at. So it should just be an absolute pounding of, of EG. 3-0. I agree. You want to you you see if we can guess the total minutes of in-game game? Yeah, play? let's do that. Of five? Let's gamify it. Ooh, uh, I'm going to go Looking with, I'm going to go with 90 minutes, 90 minutes. <laughs> in, in game know. time. I, yeah, in game I'm, time. I'm, That's still pretty I'm, fast. I'll go 85. Uh, I mean, oh my God, he's going bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But dude, like, like 90 minutes is a 30 minute game. What were the yeah. first two? What like, what were the first two? Well, the second one was like 25 minutes. 34 okay, minutes, RNG. Rumble game one, RNG, EG, 34 minutes. Game it's like, it was really 34 minutes? Yeah, it was, was 34 minutes. Uh, game two, <laughs> uh, the second one was uh, 24 minutes. So yeah. 80, 85, pretty close. Uh, let's see. So they were close RNG. to 60 minutes of game time, which means that my prediction based on available data on averages is, you know, they were averaging about 30 minutes. 
Oh my god, yeah. they got fucking clapped in this game though. <laughs> it was it was 34 minutes or the enemy team is like Mountain Soul up 8k. Okay. Yes. All right. Oh, maybe okay. they won't end it that that quickly. But then it's again like, dude, Women's of Women's of RG just doesn't play TF, bro. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like they could just not play TF and then it couldn't go like this. Who knows? I'm looking up there. 90 minutes. 90 minutes in game time. That's my that's my estimate in the best of five. Okie dokie. Um all right. Well, good luck. EG, I hope you get Nocturne so Kobe can continue to say how confusing it is when paranoia goes down in team fights. That was that was great. Did you know that if you're ever around Kobe, he gets really he, he just loses his mind if you just turn off the lights in a room. He just doesn't know what to do. <laughs> just walks straight into a wall true? every time. Nice. nice. <laughs> no, not, I mean, maybe it's true. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, based on how he's acting towards paranoia, I can see it being true. <laughs> Also, I, I felt like defending him there, but I don't know. And also, it would probably be like, why would I know that? So it's just straight into a wall Kobe. every time with Kobe. Just walk straight into a wall. Turn off the lights. Two fights are hard. All right. So, with all that said, there we go. Uh, three O's. Uh, what do we have for G2? Um, G2 uh, T1? 3 1 T1. I think there's a game that they throw or caps pops off. Um. Yeah, I'll go three one as well. I mean, I think I, I think it's hard to go three zero with how T one has been looking. I don't think they've been looking yep. consistent uh, consistent enough. Um, to 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 warrant a three zero prediction. I could see it being three zero if T one really shows up and they play confidently, though. Um, because I mean, T one still should be the best team at the tournament, right? Like, they they shouldn't be actual shit after like a couple games, right? Like, so yeah, I don't know. Um. G2 were the best team of the tournament at one point. Yeah. I mean, people told me that, dude. I mean, I like, uh, dude, after my takes, I, people think I actually hate G2 just because I think that, like, RNG and T1. Oh, uh, here teams. we go. So, <laughs> I mean, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I could just be. All cool. right. Let's close this one off with the good old session, a rumble session of God or Dog. And as I said earlier, for me, this was, this was harder. It was going to be fun to just pick caps again, and we're great. Uh, but uh, not the case. So, uh, Dom, let's have you go first. What you got for us for... Uh, let's go, go first? dogs first. Let's go dogs. Okay. So my dog... We go bad, but we'll go good, bad first. Uh, Actually kind of hard. Yeah, it's kind of... Okay, you know what? I don't actually think this is the worst player of Rumble Stage. Um, if I were to go worst player of Rumble Stage, I mean... I'll probably have to go someone on the on the side on Buffalo, but I think that's that that's fucked up. I think they overperformed expectations. I would say that that Vulcan has been having a, a dog like uh, performance. <laughs> I just feel like so many times he's just getting caught, and the whole game is just lost off of him getting caught. I just want to see him stop getting caught so EG can win some of these games. So I'll go him as my uh, as my dog. Wow, no, I'm I'm going I'm going Gumiyoshi, dude. Like. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> the past the past two weeks have been really rough for him overall. And as I alluded to earlier, I, I think he is uncomfortable on this champion pool. And I think that to a certain extent, he's probably a victim of the champions that his team wants to play uh, and thinks are strong within this tournament, like Callista, that clearly were not. But he's been playing extremely disrespectfully, even in the in the in the group stage as well. 
Uh, he's been getting caught out a lot. Like he, he simply cannot, if you compare it also to Gala's like really impressive, like very technical, very good, um, positioning everything that you want out of an AD carry, he's been cavalier and overly aggressive. And if he really wants to compete with the best ADCs in the world, he can't have these level of performances against good international, uh, against good international opponents. And in a way, He's kind of wasting some extremely good performances by people like Owner, which is sad. So Owner will be my god, because I think Owner, if you look at the way that T1 plays the early game, I have to believe that it's probably him and Faker and Korea that are dictating the way that T1 plays. Their lane assignments have been really good. The way they play out around pressure has been extremely good. It seems like they have kind of a crystal ball about how these lanes are going to play out and where they can maximize their advantages, where they can tr trade cross map to get as much gold or objectives as possible. It's been really impressive and it's led to, you know, T1 having like an average of 3,800 gold lead at 15 minutes into these games. And in League of Legends, you should be an overwhelmingly dominant team if you can do that on average. On And it's only been their mid and late game that have been throwing. So I think T1 is going to win this tournament because I think they're going to fix some of those issues and some of their team comp issues. But their, their early game, I think, really has been powered by owner doing very, very well. Who you got, God, Dom? My God's going to be Gala. I think that he's fair. just been Very fair. so fucking good. Um, this guy is like perennially disrespected by people. Um, he was, I think him and Ming were the carries of RNG throughout all of LPL. I think they're showing up better than Gumiushi carry at this tournament. I don't yep. know what this guy needs to be, needs to do to be considered a top 80 carry in the world. But I mean, if winning an MSI and two LPL titles is not enough, like you should probably start lowering your standards um, because this guy is actually a fucking freak. Like he is so. Where would you rank him in the LPL ADCs? I'm curious. Top two. With Viper? With Viper when Viper actually has the support not into him. I think Viper is still has the potential <laughs> to be the best. I think Mako was abysmal this split and made it impossible for Viper to win a lot of the lanes that he could. But yeah, I have him top two. I have him top two. I think that if you were to go just on performance, I guess you could say top two with uh, with Jackie Love, but I think he was the best. Um, Fodic is also up some uh, someone who's up ask. there. But he's he's pretty raw, uh, but yeah, I'm, I think Gull is like one of the absolute best AD carries in the world. I'll take him over anyone in LCK outside of like Gumayushi when Gumayushi looks like Gumayushi. Then I would say it's like close, but I could I, I would make the argument that Gull is just better. Um, because I think that Gala is better on a variety of picks. There's a lot more metas that he can go to. Whereas like Gumiyushi looks dominant on the like, I mean, he's like one of the best Aphelios players. Um, he's good on Jinx. But mm -hmm. like, I think this tournament has shown that if you're starting to go into like the Kaisa tier, you don't want to be fucking with, uh, with Gala's Kaisa. <laughs> like his Kaisa no. is some next level shit. I think he's got a level of proficiency that we haven't seen on that champion before. I think he's the best Kaisa player that's, that's ever played the champion competitively. I from, agree from with that. Games. I agree with that. So, yeah, I mean, I, um, I also just really like the player. Like, I think that Gala is just such a fucking sick AD carry to have on your team. All right. Gala, it is. Um, my, I got skipped. My dog. Oh, did you see that? It just, it just zipped across the screen again. It's another fucking Vex ult that Bay just takes in and <laughs> dies yet again. Holy shit. It's, it's nightmares or dreams of Bay just coming across. Pressing R again and dying on the uh, Vex. Also, when your standout game is a 0-0-10 Lissandra game, because that was your win, like, 
Good job. Uh, I think that's very uh, fair. If we were actually looking at like the actual worst player, I think it has been Bay. Because like as as bad as Froggy and Bean J have been at times, yeah. they also have done really well at other times. Bay was Bay was, Bay was really underwhelming. Bad. Yeah, it's tough. He's filling big shoes, sure, but uh, that was not it. Uh, and then uh, God for me was owner as well. I alluded to it earlier in the show, but I think the, yeah. the way that he's dictating the pace is, ah, oh, is really cool. It, it, I guess the closest that we get to see to it is what Inspired does for his squad, like dictating the pace. But Inspired does it in a much more like farm first and then fight, whereas owner is he he's right spot, right time. It it is very fun to watch. It's very fun to watch. Uh, by the way, Dom, okay. just as just as an aside about uh, Gala's Kaisa, he is it's by far his most played champion in his career at seventy eight yeah. games, and he has a sixty four percent win rate on it, which is absolutely nuts when you That's consider nuts. that many of these games have come in LPL playoffs or international events where he's been playing a lot of Kaisa. So to maintain or he had crying, <laughs> <laughs> or he had I mean, cry. well, that's very also, fair. He had crying. That was, that was truly oh, the dark times, but 64% win rate across 78 games is really impressive. Yeah. And, and a lot of those games also came when he was on fucking Sino dragon and Dominus Esports, which were like not top teams at LPL. So like, mm. And he was really good with it within those teams. So, I mean, he, like, I would love to see what his his win rate is recently because I feel like if you just took the last two years since he's been on RNG, it's going to be like eighty percent plus. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> we don't have to wonder. We don't have to wonder. Well, on Games of Legends, let's see it. Uh, so on this year, um, he hasn't played a lot of Kaisa, which makes sense. He's only played three games, but last year. Uh, he played 42 with a 71% win rate. So not fucking bad. Not fucking yeah, bad. He's kind of a freak. <laughs> uh, yep. All right. Okay. With that, that is our Rumble Stage episode of The Junk. Make sure that all you friends at home, make sure to like and subscribe. We are 1K away from being having more viewer, uh, more subscribers than uh, the worst uh, team in the LEC. And again, we know that a ton of you watch this. Literally, uh, how many? 70 tons? Is that right? Did I, did I math that right? Or is it 35 yeah. tons? I don't remember. Yeah, 70 tons uh, of you watch 35. it. So, well, yeah, well, yeah, 35 tons because 2,000 pounds. So. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of you watch this and not all of you are subscribed. So give us a little subscription here uh, to the channel. Again, Dom will be doing the viewings for these knockout stage matches. And then uh, Monty as well. Always active on Twitter for the content uh, that you uh, desire. I, I, <laughs> Monty, when you're like the, the, the ocean, the ocean skins came out recently and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> time to make some money boom there it is like that was that was a good one um, i mean what what can you say this is what they do i if they really wanted to make money they just make a stripper line return the fucking katarina stripper recall animation riot why did you take it away look <laughs> as as we know the only way to get out of the financial hole that has been caused by you having to pay $100 million to every woman who's ever worked at your entire company is now to make skins where you show partially naked women. That is the ethical way to get out of this situation, right? Good job to you. Winning again. Nice, nice.
I I didn't recite. That was not me that said that. That was yeah. <laughs> All right, and that was Monty. Uh, with that, we will depart with the Monty cackle, and we'll bring that back next week to break down the action from MSI. We'll see y'all later. <laughs>